What's up, guys? Welcome to Sports Spectrum. I am Jason Romano. Today, we're going to talk to a country music artist who walked away from his very successful career as a musician to follow God's call and to go all in on learning more about Jesus. His name is Granger Smith. Granger is also an author, and a lot of what he wrote about in his most recent book, Like a River, Finding the Faith and Strength to Move Forward After Loss and Heartache, is about pursuing Jesus after going through tragedy. Now, Granger lost his youngest son, River, in early June of 2019 after a drowning accident. We don't go into rehashing that story during our conversation. I feel like he he's done that enough on other podcasts, and certainly he does it in the very first chapter of, uh, of his book, Like a River. People can go read that. So I didn't want to just rehash that day, but I wanted to talk about grief. I wanted to talk about following God's call on your life. You know, he made a big pivot. He walked away from the music industry that's helped, you know, provide him a very, uh, a very luxurious life, if you will. I mean, the guy was on tour, has 11 albums. He, he's toured with Garth Brooks. His song, Back Road Song, is probably his most famous. And even just recently as August of 2023, he was still on tour and then that became his farewell tour and he walked away and now he's in seminary and he's promoting this book and he's really just sharing the love of Christ and, and learning more about who Jesus is and learning scripture. This was really encouraging, I think is the best word that I can provide in this conversation with Granger Smith. I think you guys are going to really enjoy hearing about his journey, what he's learning about loss as a teacher in life. Um, Will he make more music? I ask him that. Uh, also, his Texas high school football background, which was good as well to talk about with Granger Smith. It's coming up in just a moment here on Sports Spectrum. I just want to remind you about our friends at Water Mission. They are an amazing ministry, bringing clean water and safe sanitation to those in need all around the world. Check them out at watermission.org slash join the team, watermission.org slash join the team, and get on that team to help provide clean water, safe sanitation to those in need all around the world. Our friend Scott Leimbrink has been a big part of Water Mission. We've had him on. If you know Scott, he does a podcast with us here on Sports Spectrum. He's also a brand ambassador for Water Mission, and I just can't recommend Water Mission enough as a ministry that you can partner with and sow into and just knowing that there's people around the world who don't have clean water. It just makes no sense to me. It's such a simple thing, and that's where Water Mission comes in to bring people clean water, safe sanitation, and they are a Christian engineering ministry to bring the gospel to all of these people as well. Check them out at watermission.org slash join the team. Watermission.org slash join the team. Great to have Granger Smith here on Sports Spectrum. Hi, Granger. How are you, man? Hey, brother. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a, it feels like it's the perfect time to have you on. I'm, I'm, I know that you did a ton of press uh, around when your book released uh, back in August, and then you kind of finished your tour and, and walked away from music at the end of August as well. So I'm just curious, maybe we start here on what the past few months have been like since the book's been out, since you kind of said 
this is it for the music, uh, you know, music side of things. What's this been like for you now that you can reflect uh, after a few months? It is, it's good to have, to be removed from it a little bit because I've, I've taken a month off of touring. I've taken two or I've taken probably three months of touring off during COVID. We probably took, I don't, at the, at the longest stretch, uh, dry stretch, maybe six months of no yeah. touring. So I'm still not to a place where I could go, okay, I've, I'm officially have not toured, uh, for the longest time that I have ever gone in, in two decades. I'm not there yet. Uh, I will be by next year, but um, I, I have had enough time to kind of reflect on it and enough to say this for sure. I, I don't miss music touring at all. Yeah, I don't. I And, and that's saying a lot because I, I, I have always loved it. Um, I'm sure I still do love it uh, to, to an extent. And so to say I don't miss it, I say that meaning I've, I have something better right now. Uh, I have something that what I'm doing, the mission I'm on now, I truly love. And that is is also connected with the book as well. Um, so getting that book out there is part of the mission. And so I'm in a, I'm in a good place. I'm, I'm very busy in my life as I, as I always have been. I'm sure you too, Jason. But, um, yeah. but uh, it's, it's a good busy because I don't, I don't stay up at night stressed out about anything. What's really interesting, and you don't know this about me, we didn't, I didn't share this with you before we started. I made a pivot about seven years ago. I, I worked for a long time at ESPN and made a pivot into ministry to do this, to work in sports ministry and try to follow God's call. And the question I get from so many people is, how did you know it was the right time to make the pivot? How did you know it was God saying, now is the time, Jason, make that pivot and walk away from this awesome job that I had at ESPN. Now, your job, much different than mine, but I think the question's probably been very similar, Granger. How did you know when it was time to make that pivot, when it was time to follow God's call? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And and although um, maybe our jobs were different to an extent, they were they were the same as far as, uh, you know, the entertainment industry. And, um, sure. And, yeah. and the, the answer to that, it's, it's, I have a simple way of answering it, but it's, it would be complicated to live through it, as you know. And the simple thing is this. When we're, when we're born again and when we, are, when we are beginning to put our trust, we don't just put all of our trust in Jesus from day one, but when we begin to do that and we begin that surrender and we have a, a, a good personal time, a good relationship, a good Bible reading time on our own, when our prayer life starts improving, when, when our wise counsel is improving around us, meaning the, guy, the, the brothers and sisters that are with us, maybe in our local church or, or in our community that are lifting us up, encouraging us, rebuking us on certain things, um, when, when those things start aligning, then our, our desires start to change. Mm. And, you know, the Bible says that uh, if when we, when we make a, a lot of him, when we make a lot of God, right, then our desires will change. In, the Bible says that he will give us the desires of the heart, but we should read that in terms of he will give us desires. He will give us wants. He will right. reduce other desires and other ones. And so that's the easy way of saying it. Now, living it out is difficult because because you start feeling pressed. You're like, man, I, I don't know if I might not do this forever. <laughs> and then that other yeah. side of your voice goes, well, you crazy, man. This, come on, man. This is great. This is a great job. And, and you go, yeah, you're, you're probably right, other self. And then you wake up the next day and go, 
no, man, I, I think there's more to this life. I think there's other things I need to be doing. I think I should maybe slow down, maybe even maybe even quit this other thing. And then the other side of yourself goes, no way, man. And that, that'll, you'll battle that yes. for a long time. Some people for a decade, for me, it was probably, probably about two years of battling, man, I think, I think I might end touring. Like I might end music touring completely. And I traced that back through my uh, diary. My, I got a, like a digital journal and I could trace that back and go, oh man, th there was, the beginnings of this like 17 months ago, I was saying, I think this touring is coming to an end. And then eventually it does. And then we know that it was right when we look back on it and go, oh yeah, that was good. That was a good decision. Well, it's always a perfectly clear path when you look back, right? And know God's yeah. plan. But when you're in the midst of it, you don't know because it's kind of a roller coaster and you're <laughs> oh, not sure terrible. if you're going. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. You're not sure if you're on the right road or what you're doing. Did you seek out wise counsel in those two years and just float this out there that maybe God was saying it was time to, to kind of walk away from music or was it, was it something that you and God were just dealing with? Cause I, I did that. I, I started talking to people about six to eight months before I left and just said, am I crazy here? And most mm. people said, no, only one said, yeah, why are you leaving ESPN? That makes no sense. But most people said, no, this feels like God's, the Lord is tugging at your heart. What was that like for you? Did you kind of seek some wise counsel and, and talk to some people before you just kind of said goodbye? Yeah, same. I, I had mixed results. Uh, there were <laughs> yeah. there were a lot of people that were like, yeah, man, it, it feels like this is God's calling on you. And, and if you feel that you need to walk away from touring, then so be it. But then a lot of people, <laughs> I would say probably the majority of people said, hey, maybe there's a balance. Maybe there's something in between. You don't have to quit touring. You could just use that platform. As people probably told you, just stay with ESPN and mm -hmm. then just and just mention Jesus on the air. That's that's way better. <laughs> yeah. God's going to like that better. As if we, we justify it as if God needs us to give him more glory. And we are the ones that get to decide on how to do that or not. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's kind of funny how it works, man. Well, listen, you, you pulled the plug and you said goodbye. Um, real quick, before I get into the book a little bit, it's not a goodbye completely to music, I presume. Maybe it is, but like there's ways, you know, there's, there's many artists who are in this sort of secular space that have now made worship music or whatever. Is, is this a goodbye to music or is it just kind of a pause on, on music? I think it's probably a pause. I think you're right. Um, with yeah. what you're thinking, w what happened to me was, uh, I needed to redeem, especially music touring itself. I needed to redeem that because it was all about me. That was all about exalting me, making music and putting out music. It it was it was all about me, and it almost has to be all about me or the artist. Otherwise, how are you going to market it? If if you, right. you when you're the product, you have to make your greatness of yourself so that you could sell yourself as the product, and that's a problem for me. And so, if the Lord redeems that, uh, and He may or He may not. Either way, I'm happy with that. I'm 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 going to be fine with it. But He may come back and and start cultivating a new desire to make a worship album. And then that would be at a time when I know I'm able to do it and not uh, need to seek that kind of attention. Sure. But uh, so that's the easy answer is we'll, we'll call it a pause, but it's yeah. a, it's a very healthy pause because that was a big problem for me exalting myself. Well, let me ask you about 
that struggle of exalting yourself when you release a book, because you know this, uh, having released this back in August, interviews, press, media conversations, even like you and I are having, and your pictures on the cover and your names on the mm. cover, that's got to be hard to not exalt yourself when you're, I mean, obviously I've read the book and it's, you are, you do such a great job on staying humble, obviously, and telling this mm. very difficult story, but yet it's yours and you want people to read it. Did you struggle with that at all when the book came out? What's crazy, uh, I actually didn't. I didn't struggle with that. And maybe if I was a full-time pastor, maybe I would because that would be a new thing for me. Sure. Uh, but because I'm coming out of promoting albums, uh, promoting, right. <laughs> promoting a book that's directing people to Jesus well, was easy for me. Um, and the way I kind of say it in the book and the way I think about it in, is in terms of, look, uh, you don't have to buy the book. I'm not telling anybody you need to buy the book. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that like I would have with music so I could help pay the bills. I'm just saying, look, um, I'm one beggar telling another beggar where I, where I found bread. And I, and I hope you find it. And let me show you where I found it here. Um, and that's really what the book is. It, the book is just a, a big arrow pointing to God for me. Yeah. The book is called uh, Like a River, Finding the Faith and Strength to Move Forward After Loss and Heartache. It came out back in August 2023. Now that you've had some time away from the release, have you heard from people who've done just that, who've, who've who found you know, maybe an opportunity to enter into a relationship with Christ or even just seek out God and kind of learn more basically after reading your story? Yeah, I certainly have. And maybe that's where I kind of tend to pump the brakes thinking, oh, look what I did. You know, I wrote a book and people are finding God. So that that is where I do try to pump sure. the brakes. And I yeah. take it with stride because I don't know. First of all, I just don't know what's an authentic story from people or not. Uh, when people say, man, you you changed my life with your book. I'm like, I didn't. I just wrote my story. Um, praise God that it encouraged you. Uh, but that but that's your journey. And God uses human agency. So certainly he could be working through me. Or this could just be you. You're just on a, a spiritual high right now. You're on like a youth camp Jesus high. So I always try to just, I try to pump the brakes and I, I never want to think of it in terms of like a river brought so many people to Christ. Currently our number is 1,737. You know, I don't, that's, that's, that's beyond me, but it has been very encouraging to answer your question, to see people go, Hey, uh, I never thought of it that way. And then I read the book and I'm, I'm kind of seeing this whole read the Bible thing in a different way. I'm starting to look at my, my own face that maybe it's cultural. Maybe maybe my, my faith has been tied up in a heritage and it's not a relationship with God. The, the book is making me think that way. Then I'm like, okay, great. Welcome to the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what's interesting to me too is this book, obviously, it's really just the first chapter that tells the story of what happened to your son River and losing yeah. him in a drowning accident. And then it's like everything after that and trying to find who God is and, and grieve and, and mourn and walk through difficult seasons of life, the highs and the lows, the music world that you were in. Um, but what I've found is now that this book has come out, it's August 1st, you had to do so much rehashing of that story. What has that been like? Because it's such a difficult story to share. Uh, it's even difficult for me to say what happened because it's such a hard thing to have to think about somebody going through. But what has that process been like as you're talking about your story, having to rehash everything that took place back in 2019? 
Yeah, for for one, I only do now. I do one interview a day. If not that I do one every day, but when I do have an interview, I only sure. have one one per day. So, like this interview here with you uh, is the only one I'm doing today, um, because it it started to become weird if I had three in a row, and I'm telling I'm telling the story three times. Yeah, but I I don't shy away from that story of losing Riv because when I do tell it. And if people can resonate with that story and they could hear some kind of encouragement from something they're going through, then uh, he didn't die in vain. It wasn't purposeless. It wasn't meaningless. It, it mattered insofar as that, that his story is now affecting someone else in a positive way. Yeah. And the one thing that you write so beautifully, I think through all throughout the book, but there's a specific spot where you say loss is a teacher. Can you just share what you mean by that and how God has been maybe teaching you uh, since your loss in 2019? Yeah, certainly. We, we know, um, and this is, you know, if, if this is a, if this platform has a lot of people listening that play sports, then certainly they understand that. I it mean, does. If, sure. if anyone, if anyone understands that, that's people that have engaged or played or watched sports long enough. And you think about it in terms of, uh, a Super Bowl. And I think this every year when I see the Super Bowl and I see the, the end ceremony when they hold up the trophy and there's somebody crying. And, and I think, why, why are they crying? And it's, it's, it's not because they won the trophy, end of story. It's because over, over that, in August, in July, when things were so rough and they, they battled through it, it's because 10 years ago, no one told them, everyone told them they weren't, they weren't going to be able to make it to where they are today. It's because of last September, that locker room fight that broke out and the disunity in the locker room that had, they had to build back in October. And then in November is that game they lost. They shouldn't have lost that game, but it was raining outside and, and they, they, they struggled with the weather and they ended up, they ended up pulling together the next week and pulling off a win that maybe they shouldn't have got. It's all of those things combined. It's the struggle. It's all of that, that that causes those tears to hold up the trophy. You take away all that stuff. It's just a perfect season. They never lost a game. They never had adversity. There was perfect unity in the locker room. Everyone <laughs> told them they were going to win it for the last 20 years. That means nothing. You hold up the trophy. It means nothing. Life is no different than that. Mm. That's such a good reminder, I think, especially, and you're right. This is a platform of people who play and watch sports and love sports and also love Jesus. It's sort of that intersection of sports and faith. And you're right. Loss is a teacher. Um, I think as I've been reading through your book, I've been watching a few podcasts that you've been on. I know you were just on with Ed Milet and I watched a lot of that interview um, on YouTube. There's so much emotion that goes into, I think, from people who talk to you. And I sense emotion from you too, but I sense now, like you talked about earlier, there's a purpose um, mm. in this pain that you've seen. What I find interesting is that the story doesn't just end after after River's tragic death, but you walk through some more valleys, if you will, that you dictated and, and shared perfectly in the book before you started to kind of, I don't want to say turn the corner, that's not the fair word here, but there was a day in March of 2020 that really got got a hold of you. Can you kind of just paint the picture a little bit of your faith background taking you up to March 1st of 2020? Yeah, I was uh, always considered myself a Christian. And as, as long as I can remember, I remember uh, my mother told me 
I wanted to accept Jesus into my heart when I was four years old. And, and so they, I wanted to say a prayer and, and sat there with my parents on the floor of our living room when, when I was four. And my mom wrote that in, you know, my baby journals, this proud moment, like, wow, my son, you know, he's, he's saved. And, and then years after that, you know, going to church and baptized and youth camps and fellowship of Christian athletes. And that's, that's the world I lived in. And then I uh, went to college at Texas A&M, uh, started a band, started drifting. Church then uh, wasn't part of my daily life. Moved to Nashville uh, to write songs for a company out there. And certainly by then, church was not uh, what was happening on Sundays. I was I was playing at this bar called Tootsie's on Saturday night till I didn't get home till probably 3 a.m., Wow. And uh, yeah. so certainly I'm not going to get up and, and go to church, but that's okay because, you know, I'm saved and, you know, I accepted Jesus when I was four and all those church years in elementary school and middle school and high school, surely, you know, those culminated into uh, enough. I've done enough and, and God has favor on me in that. And, and then decades went by and then, and then it wasn't until seriously digging into my faith, which, uh, major tragedy will do that certainly will do that um digging into what what was i based on what was i standing on what solid ground was i standing on in order to deal with some kind of profound suffering as i was going through and i, I realized i was standing on sand and i was like man i i i i thought that i was going to be able to help myself i thought that i was going to be able to be the rock of this family and then as I started digging into my faith and digging into the Bible and reading the Bible, I, I realized that everything I was living by was not lining up with what Jesus said in the Bible. Things like, anyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's like, man, did, did, are, am I underestimating that? Or did he re are we taking that a different way in 2023? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For anyone that would save his life will lose it. And anyone who loses his, his life for my sake will find it. It's like, man, I wonder if I've been misinterpreting that for about 20 years. <laughs> and, yeah. and then that's, that's just the beginning of what began to unlock for me as I read through the Bible, the living, breathing word of God. I'm, I'm reading through it and I'm like, man, I don't think that's been me. I don't think I was a Christian. It was a, it was a profound uh, epiphany for me to, to to realize all those years, the accepting Jesus when I was four and all the going to church, there was no fruit from that. I wasn't living anywhere near to what Jesus was saying. You want to know my people? They love me. My people, if you want to know who my people are, those are the people that keep my word. Not because they're earning it, but because that's what they do out of the overflow of gratitude. They love me. They keep my word. And I'm like, man, I don't even know what his word is. I realized, I realized to answer your question, I wasn't a Christian until then. Wow. I don't know if people are listening and thinking, okay, maybe, maybe I might be in that boat because you talked about fruit, right? The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. There should be fruit. And you said there was no fruit. So what takes place where you start to say, you know what, I, I've been living a lie here. Or I have, I've been living a life that's not Christ-like and makes you dive in because it's one thing. And then you dive in and then ultimately God's like, okay, music's over Granger. Let's go follow mm. me, take up your cross. So 
walk us through that process. Yeah, there's those are fruits of the spirit you named, and then there's also that there's other fruit that said that it where there's this desire within you to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ to go, man, I I can't wait to go to church, or I can't wait to serve in in some way, or I can't wait to read God's word, or man, you know what? I haven't cracked open my Bible in like eight days, and I am I feel famished. I feel starving for it. Those are certain things where you go, oh, that's a symptom of being saved. And if you don't feel it, if you don't think, you know, I haven't read my Bible in like six months and I'm totally cool with that. that that's a big red flag. And it, it's, it's a major sign of a sickness, of a sick heart that you might need to start digging into a little bit. You might need to be thinking about that a little bit. And so um, that that's where I was. And so the switch that happened for me when suddenly I craved to read the Bible, I wanted to have lunch with other people that knew something about God, maybe maybe a pastor here, a worship leader here. I wanted to have lunch with them and just ask them about these different questions I had. I wanted to um, I wanted to think through why I was having problems exalting myself, and 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 all of that culminated into me thinking, "Wow, what what a." What a beautiful story that God would save a sinner like me, a sinner that had rejected him for so long, dead in my trespasses. And he says, you, I'm calling you by name. You're mine. And then it's like, oh, man. And, and once you feel that, once you feel that kind of gratitude, it's like, oh, quit music. I'll do, hey, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever. And that takes a lot to just say, I'll do whatever, right? It takes a lot because that's a sacrifice. It's, it's self-denial, like you say. It's yeah. uh, taking up your cross. And then what's funny about the story, just because I think I throw this in because the, you dictate this so well in the book, um, you had another baby in mm. 2021. Baby Maverick is born. And it, more evidence of God's goodness, right? Yeah, and that story, you know, with baby Mav, God doesn't, it, it just doesn't always work out that way. And I'm fully aware of that. Um, but, but God worked in a profound way because you, you mentioned that the, the, the book itself, the first chapter, we lose our son. And you might think as you pick up the book, you know, it's called like a river. This is about him losing his son river. But, but Maverick really is the star of that book because uh, it, it really comes out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere in the book and it came, that's really how it unfolded in our lives. And so God working that plan and weaving that providence through our lives, through our grieving, through our profound loss and weaving the story of this little boy that according to Maverick, none of that Matt, he was always supposed to be here. This is his world. This is his house. This is his, this Bubba and Sissy. This is his mama and dada. Like they, these are the people that it, this is his world that he inherited. And, but we know as we see him, he's here because another one isn't. And it, not, not like he's a replacement, but because God is sovereign and God is providential. And this was part of the plan. And that blows my mind. It's, it's heartbreaking and it's overwhelming joy coexisting at the exact same time. Mm. Yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. When I was reading it, I was on I'm beginning to read it. I was on an airplane a couple of weeks ago and I was reading the first chapter and I had to stop. I couldn't keep reading it because it was just really hard, which I'm sure you've heard from people. It's just a hard mm. story, much less a hard read. And then I got back and I just kind of 
quickly glanced over it that first chapter at the back end when I got home and I started reading more and I said, "Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> this is so this is so much more than just a moment, right? It's so much mm. more than just um, grieving, if you will." And you talk very transparently about all of that in like a river. Um, what's been? I guess maybe we'll go back a little bit when you released the book. What what was your hope? in writing this and having people read it. Cause I still, I still don't know. There's a lot of people that haven't read this book and may not even know your full story. And I want them to go pick it up. What's your hope when people read this book? Man, I appreciate you saying that because people, a lot of people will tell me, um, man, I'm, I'm reading your book, but to be honest with you, I had to stop at chapter two or chapter six or I, I had to put it down, man. It's just heavy. And I always say, please, Please yeah. keep going because I promise there's a happy ending. You know, <laughs> yes, I promise right. it gets better. You got to get to the end. But my hope in it is, you know, that day you were alluding to in March for me, um, I was driving in my truck and I had been searching and searching after, uh, after devastating loss and um, not just of my son, but of my wife that uh, the way she used to be, myself, the, way, the, the person I used to be. That the person I was died spiritually. And there is a grief that's involved with all kinds of loss. And as I was kind of unpacking that uh, and searching and searching in, in March, that day in my truck, uh, there was a pastor speaking to me, to, to everyone on YouTube, but I felt like it was to me. And when he unfolded that scripture to me and everything w was brought into clarity and everything made sense and all of my searching and all of my journey and the gospel itself and, and my guilt that I had carried with me suddenly was covered. I was guilty, but, but my sin was covered and my guilt was cleaned. And, and as I felt all of that, I thought, I thought, now I know my eyes can now see. I, I was once blind. Now I see the veil's been removed and I knew it because of God using human agency in that pastor on that day in March. And so my hope for this book is that God uses this book through human agency, through my hand to someone else who might be in that kind of moment that I could be with this book for them, what that sermon was on YouTube for me in the day in March in that truck. Yeah, it was John Piper, right? That you heard right. in that sermon. And uh, his his son, Barnabas, has been on this podcast many, many ah. years ago. Barnabas is a great guy. Um, you should definitely connect with him if you have never connected with him. I haven't. Big guy, big sports fan, and, and, a, and a wonderful evangelist in his own right. But what's interesting is that's March 1st, 2020. Mm. I just say 2020. So mm. what is it, nine days later? The world shuts down. So I'm <laughs> yeah. really curious. It, it, yeah. And that was a horrible time for so many, of course. But for you, is that actually a good thing that allows you to dive deep into your faith in the midst of when everybody's kind of stuck at home and can't go anywhere? Man, it was providential. It had to be. I mean, there, <laughs> there's so many things uh, connected with those around those three years of my life um, before and after March 1st, 2020. I was dead before that and was alive after. And COVID was just one of those those things. Um, Maverick being born through IVF after a miscarriage uh, was another one of those things that was going on in 2020. Touring shut down, music business shut down, all of us. I, I don't even have to say the story. We all know what we were doing in March when uh, the news took over that there's this new virus going around. Uh, what was it, like March 12th or something? So yeah. just, a, just a, a week, a little over a week after 
uh, this massive rebirth. And what I'm doing is I'm sitting at home uh, reading the Bible, so, which sounds crazy for any Christian to say, any profession Christian to say, but <laughs> I was reading it as though my life depended on it. All of a sudden, it was like a story that I had never heard before that I was reading like a book. And as touring ended, <laughs> I just was able to put more time into that. Uh, yeah, so I was, the world was closed around me and I was just sitting here just enthralled by this this brand new book that I had rediscovered in my life. Yeah, it's crazy how there's so everybody's going to have a COVID story that they're going to tell for you know, years and years and years down the road. And yet yours actually starts nine days or 10 days or 11 days <laughs> right before COVID, which I think is awesome, especially on the path that God has taken you now. Because tell everybody what's happening now. And you left music to pursue God, but what does that mean? Like, what does that entail for you? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I'll see if I can try to answer it um, currently as we sit here today with the latest manifestation of that. But um, <laughs> it, it started with just the idea, as we kind of mentioned earlier, that I just could no longer uh, reconcile exalting myself on the stage and then going home and reading the Bible that said, deny yourself, take, take up your cross and follow me. So I couldn't reconcile that. Um, and that, that is by no means an encouragement to everyone to stop what they're doing, to quit their job. That's, please, that's not what I'm saying. That, that would be taking everything out of context that I'm trying to say. This was my own personal feeling. It's, it was like, hey, this book's coming out uh, August 1st, and I need, to, I need to be fully available with this book. Uh, I need to have the full presence of mind to be able to support this book in whatever way, to have conversations about this book, uh, to continue in seminary that I started about a year ago, and and be fully present with my church. That that's a big thing for me because if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be all about reading reading the Bible, learning who God is, talking about God, talking about God through this book, and then going, oh, and by the way, I don't really attend church because I have concerts around the country every Saturday night. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that I just could not reconcile there. So I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put all this on pause. I'm going to um, have consistency with my own family, sitting at our own local church on a Sunday morning, um, have full time for seminary, full time to be available to promote this book and talk about it. And all of that equals, I got to pull completely out of music touring. It's not working. And I've done that for only, as we're recording this, about three months, but it just feels right. <laughs> well, you say seminary. Uh, my brother went to seminary and he's got his PhD in biblical studies and he's a pastor. Does that mean someday it could be Pastor Granger Smith coming back on Sports Spectrum to talk about uh, leading a church maybe? I would say certainly possible. Mm. Lord, Lord willing, I would say I would, I would not at this point not take anything uh, out of my future that it is no longer sure. my business to know what I'm doing in the future. But, um, I, I have so much respect for your brother. And I think, I believe that the local church is God's plan. A, uh, yes. I believe that that is the plan to take the, to take, to live out the great commission and take the, the gospel to all nations. It yeah, starts with the local church. And, um, yeah, yeah. Th those are the front lines. Yeah. And like you said, having the open hands to say, hey, it's not my job to worry about where God's going to direct me anymore. I'm just going to follow the light, the lamp that uh, that the word provides as you walk on this journey. Um, exactly. And I'll say I'll say this to let me add to that by saying 
if that happens, Lord willing, that should come from through the um, affirmation of my local church now. So that wouldn't right. be something that I went out on my own and, and raised money and built some building and called it the Granger Church and everyone come. No, it, it would come through um, consistency and putting in the years under wise teaching at my local church now. And then if the elders in our church affirm me and raise me up for such a purpose as to send me out as a pastor, then I believe that would be the right way of going about that. I think that's 100%. Uh, the right way to go. That's a lot of wisdom in what you just said. Um, we did a whole sports podcast and didn't really talk about sports. So let me ask <laughs> you at the very end here, um, how has sports been a big part of, of Granger Smith's life? You mentioned you went to Texas A&M, so I have mm. to imagine you're an Aggie guy. Um, but tell me about you know sports and how it's played a part and a role in your life. Yeah, I, I grew up uh, playing most sports as, as a kid. But uh, as, those, as it kind of filtered through, it was football probably not a surprise growing up in Texas that uh, ended up being the, the most shaping for me. And so going through junior high and high school, Texas high school football um, was so profoundly, I, I cannot understate that, so profoundly impactful for decades to come after that. Um, is it, from everything from um, looking a boss in the eye and shaking his hand to walking in a room with someone with uh, with a lot of popularity and and having confidence to stand in front of them with a firm handshake and look him in the eye. That's what high school coaches can do for you. Um, going through adversity when everyone else around you is losing their heads and, and you're the only guy that goes, no, we got this. We're going to hold this together. That comes that comes from the bad days of Texas high school football and two it is, you know. So so um, I could talk about this for probably an hour. The impacts of what uh, football and and that's not just football. It's 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 all major sports that are um, that are team oriented, and what these do for for young men and women. It's it's uh, it's beyond profound how that changed and shaped me. So real quick, what position did you play when you were in high school? In high school, I was a cornerback. Cornerback. Okay. Cornerback, yeah. So were you uh, kind of Deion Sanders-like in the way that you played? <laughs> I would say absolutely not. <laughs> I was, uh, I, I was uh, probably the opposite of Deion, where <laughs> fundamentals were, were huge for me. I had, to, I had to keep track of everything I was doing. I had to watch every meal I was eating. I had to uh, control all my pivots and my back pedals because – the guys that had way more talent than me across the line, those tall receivers, uh, I couldn't mess up a single fundamental if I was going to keep up with those guys. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think you had the Deion Sanders skills. Not many ever have, but I figured, you know, I'd throw a name out there and then let you compare yourself to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Granger, this has been awesome, man. Again, the book is called Like a River. People need to go get it. I think it can encourage them. I'm actually going to give this to a buddy of mine who just went through his own very serious personal loss of losing his wife to cancer and i just mm. it's different but it's not different right granger this will be the last thing i kind of have you follow up on even though your loss is going to be different than his loss that's different than any loss i've went through it's still this book is not just for people who say lost a child in a drowning accident it's for anybody that's going through a difficult period of loss absolutely absolutely yeah. is the the loss that we have the grief that we have for someone is always going to equal the love that we had for him. So if you love, if you love a lot, you're going to grieve and you're going to grieve a lot. The only alternative to not grieving a lot is to not love him. 
Right. And no one's going to do that. So we love uh, and we lose and we grieve. But at least we understand that that grief always equals that love. And when we know that, we know that it was worth it in the end. We know that that grieving was worth it. And that as Christians, we grieve as those with hope. Yeah, 100%. Like a River is a book. Granger Smith has been our guest. Thanks, Granger. Great to meet you. Great to talk to you. Hopefully we have you back on again sometime and uh, all the best to you. You too, brother. Thank you so much. And many thanks to Granger Smith for joining us here today on Sports Spectrum. Again, that book, Like a River, Finding the Faith and Strength to Move Forward After Loss and Heartbreak is a must-read for all of us who have gone through loss in our lives. I think Granger uh, very poignantly and very transparently shares his story, his very difficult story. I mean, listen, he lost his his young son, who was, I think, three or four years old, River, in early June of 2019 to a drowning accident. And when he does depict that story, I've heard it on other shows, it's gut-wrenching. It's so heartbreaking. And thankfully, he's dove into his faith. He's pursued and run toward Jesus. And God is allowing him to heal in a pretty cool way in bringing him that love and joy and peace and patience that we talked about, the fruit of the Spirit. Granger Smith's a great dude. I love what he's doing. I love the pivot that he's made. I love the book that he wrote, and I hope you guys will check out that book as well. We appreciate Granger for being our guest today here on Sports Spectrum. And uh, thank you as well for tuning in. We always direct you to our website, sportspectrum.com, for all of our content. You can find devotionals there. If you're looking for a daily devotional, Monday through Friday, check out sportspectrum.com and sign up for our daily devotionals. It can come right to your email inbox. It's a great way to just stay connected with God, to add this devotional as part of your morning time with the Lord. It's over at sportspectrum.com. While you're there, you can read all of our articles. You can watch some great content, some videos, some testimonials. You can listen to our podcast. You can even sign up for our weekly newsletter or order our magazine, our Sports Spectrum magazine. You can do it all right there at our website, sportspectrum.com. Thanks for tuning in. We love you guys. We appreciate your support with Sports Spectrum and telling others about the intersection of sports and faith. And we hope you'll join us next time for another conversation here on the show. Have a great rest of your day, and we will see you soon.